Yeah, or doing do something a little different. A lot of you sent in some some email questions. We're going to try and hit them um, and try and cover some of them. So we're doing we've been doing a series called Matters of the Heart and dealing specifically with marriage and things of that nature. And um, so we the answer is a little bit different because we didn't want you to have to follow blanks and stuff that made no difference to you. So there's just like some headings in there that you can make some notes about and different things like that. So you can just follow along with us. Um, so we, we, what we wanted to do was before we got so Ra- Rachel's very has, maybe she's eased a little into it a little bit. She was a little bit nervous this morning uh, before we got started. So we wanted to set some ground rules before we got started. All right, is that okay? I'm going to set some rules from a guy's perspective. My lovely and adoring wife is going to set some rules from a woman's perspective, and uh, so we just know where we're all going. Okay. Because we know all, all of us need to have some clear boundaries and things of that nature. So the first rule off the bat for the man rules, okay? First rule, learn to work the toilet seat. <laughs> You're a big girl. If it's up, put it down. All, right, all, the, all the clapping ceased. We need it up. You need it down. You don't hear us complaining about you leaving it down, do you? The toilet seat prefers to be down. Gravity, any questions? (laughs) You're hurting me. Next rule, crying is blackmail. When crying occurs, you caused it and you should fix it. Perfect time for a gift. Uh, She's killing me over here. Listen, yes and no are perfectly acceptable answers to almost every question. Yes and no are not answers. You are not on trial, and you are not your attorney. You are not my attorney. Oh, sorry. Okay, number, number, number four. Listen, anything we said six months ago is inadmissible in any argument. In fact, all comments are null and void after seven days. We, we remember what you say regardless of how long it's been. Why can't you? Listen, if something we said can be interpreted two ways, and one of the ways makes you sad or angry, we meant the other one. Saying what, what you think we want to hear gets you in trouble. Stop when you're ahead. Uh, you can either ask us to do something or tell us how you want it done. You can't do both. If you already know the best way how to do it, do it yourself. (laughs) Why can't you ask for directions? And why can't you follow directions? Uh, Whenever possible, say whatever you just say during the commercials. How can we be expected to tell you about our all of our day in just 30 seconds when it took us it took it all day to happen? Okay, listen, listen, listen. When we go somewhere, anything you want to wear is acceptable, really. Wearing the same clothes because they're on top of the pile is not acceptable. I cannot believe you're airing our dirty laundry out here like that. Dirty, I wash our clothes. <laughs> Last rule. 
You have enough clothes, and you definitely have too many shoes. <laughs> if we had enough clothes or shoes, why are there so many stores? <laughs> Those are just for fun. You guys know we're just jesting, right? Huh? Right? When we started this, this series a couple weeks ago, we talked about foundations. We talked about intimacy last week. And, and we're going to want to convert that, continue to convey that uh, via some, just some practical things. And we, um, we're actually going to hit some questions we didn't hit in the first service. Thomas is feverishly trying to find the message from the first service. We'd like to post both of them this week um, just so you can keep up and keep track. Because we had a lot of questions. We, we whittled them down. None of you ask any questions uh, with your identity known. All of them were, were given anonymously. Um, and so we don't know who, you know, we can't follow up very well and that being the case. And if we don't get your question answered, you know, we're sorry, but we tried to, we tried to, to we, we, we rework some of them to try and, uh, get them as generally answered as possible. Uh, we, we, we pick some things that are very pointed so we can, we can make some, some specific points. One thing we want you guys to know right here, right now is Rachel and I, neither one consider ourselves experts. We don't have it all figured out just yet. I'm still learning about her. She's still learning about me. We're still walking this walk of faith together. And sometimes we get it right. And sometimes we get it wrong. So please, nothing we say today hopefully will be conveyed in an attitude or receive an attitude that we know everything because we absolutely do not. Okay? I made my wife blush during the first service. She says she's not going to let me answer that question this time. Um. So we're going to try and get there. But we found out that, that, that really this issue of um, marriage boils down to, 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 to really three things. It boils down to her needs, his needs, and understanding what role you're to fulfill. Ephesians chapter 5 goes like this. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, Paul writes, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. It goes back to meeting the needs and being selfless. When a husband loves his wife like Christ loved the church, he's being completely and totally selfless. When a wife submits to her husband and respects him, even though she thinks he may be wrong, that is being selfless and saying, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow this the way Christ wants me to. I'm going to live according to the scriptures. I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to, to, to meet the needs that are necessary here to get us going in the right direction. So that's our intention. That's, that, that's where we want to go today. Okay. Um, you have anything you want to add before we move on? The, the last song we sang in worship today said, there is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. Searching for eternity long, there is none like you. Um, I just wanted to remind you that your spouse cannot be everything to you. Um, the only person that can meet every need is Christ. And um, if you're searching in your spouse to meet every need, you're searching in the wrong place. He is human. He cannot meet all my needs. And if I am looking to him for that, I'm pl placing way too much pressure on him. To, to be um, everything that I need. And he, um, he's human. He's going to make mistakes. I'm human. I make some mistakes. And in those mistakes need to, needs to be grace and mercy applied both ways for us because if you realize your spouse is only human and they can't provide everything you need, that relieves a lot of pressure off of both of you.
first thing we want to talk about today is communication. And the reason we want to talk about communication is because we got, we got a question. This is the last actual question we got this week. And it, we want to talk about going just deeper than, than just surface stuff. As a married couple, you have to get deeper than surface stuff. You have to go places that are sometimes awkward, sometimes frustrating, sometimes will provoke anger, sometimes will provoke hurt, provoke hurt if you're going to grow together. And so uh, we get this question today, uh, this week, and it says, I know all relationships are different, but what does a husband want and expect from his wife, and why won't he tell her what he expects? Now, I don't know who asked this question. I have no idea. But I will tell you this, I can't answer that. You know why? Because I don't know who the husband is. I don't know who the wife is. The only way you're going to get to the bottoms of these kinds of questions is to begin to communicate with one another and get below the surface and get to some really nitty-gritty things. I can't answer that question. I don't know what your husband particularly wants out of you. I know some things Scripture says you should, you should provide for him. I know that sort of thing. But I do not know what he, as, a, as an individual human being, what makes him tick, what motivates him. And so I can't tell you. Husband, you need to get to the point. Your goal should be what we talked about last week. And as Genesis 1 20, no, 2, 26, and 27. That's to be that, that place of nakedness and no shame. You can expose yourself to your wife. You can share your fears and your worries and your concerns. And so that's where we want to go. And Rachel uh, really felt strong about a couple points. So I'm going to let her make those really, really quickly. The first point was um, open and, uh, openness and honesty. Um, this is very important in a relationship. It was crazy because when we were just talking about things... Um, through Aaron and I trying to decide what we were going to talk about. I said, man, this one would just be fixed if they would talk. This one would be fixed if they would talk. So open openness is huge. Communication is huge in a marriage. And, and like Aaron said, on every level. And if you, if this is something that um, you aren't at yet, realize that it takes growth. It takes a little bit of time of opening up. You don't, you can't just sit down and spill everything all at once, but it takes growth and be in an attitude of, I, I want this to go deeper. So I'm going to start talking more. I'm going to open up more. Wives, don't make your husbands guess at what you're thinking. I'm speaking to myself at the same time. I, I do that. I, I'm terrible about it. He has to pull and pull and pull to get things out of me. And that's not right of me. Um, but, but husbands, if you know that your wives are like that, you know, ask some probing questions to get them to talk. Um, um, open and honesty in every area with your struggles, your fears, um, accomplishments, and some of your goals. Um, find, um, spiritual growth is one thing that you need to be open and honest about. Whenever I'm looking through Scripture and something's convicted me or something has spurred me on to good works, I'll talk to him about it. Hey, babe, I'm not really doing so well in this area. Can you can you help me with it? You know, things like that. Well, um Produce openness and honesty. Next one is trust and faithfulness. Um, I had a lot of questions about trust and faithfulness. And um, there needs to be a commitment to each other that we're sticking through this for the long haul. Um, and uh, when I was thinking about that, I thought, what what in, does Aaron do that, that breeds trust and, and um, faithfulness? And for me, you know, I was looking at it all from a me-me perspective. But I, then I thought, what do, do I do things that causes him to trust me and to call, causes him to realize that I'm faithful to this marriage? And I, um, instead of always looking at it from, I wish he'd do things more that would cause me to trust him, why don't you, as a, the other spouse, start thinking of things that you can do to build um, trust? Um, 
and I, I, we put no divorce up there. That is a, a word that I think is sometimes used too freely in a marriage. Well, I'll just leave. I'll just, you know, this isn't working out. I'm just going to, and not really sometimes meaning it deep, and da- deep down, but almost as a threat or like a manipulation type of a thing. Divorce should never be a, a word that you just throw around. Um, the, really, in Scripture, the only reason, and we'll get to this maybe, I don't remember if we cut this, I don't know. But um, the, the only reason in, in marriage for divorce is infidelity. And so if you throw, um, you know, if you, you just throw divorce around, it just, that, that just breeds um, in, um, lack of trust, breeds insecurity. You know, I, th- I think that, again, we kind of rehash some things we talked about the last couple of weeks is, a marriage, a, a relationship thrives in an environment where permanence and fidelity are the hallmarks of the day. When your spouse knows you're not going anywhere and they know that you're absolutely faithful, a ma- that relationship just grows, it grows, it grows. And you know what? That, that's kind of true, not, not just in a marriage relationship. That's true in a friendship. That's true. That's true where your children are concerned. That's, I mean, it, 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 that covers a whole wide range of things. And so you've got to begin to instill that. Another thing I think really helps with that is appreciation. When you show appreciation, and not because you have to, and not because anything spectacular has happened, you are making a deposit into the life of your marriage that can be withdrawn upon during times of crisis and difficulty. If I have nothing good to say to Rachel, if I have nothing to say to Rachel during the course of the week, and then all of a sudden we have an altercation of some kind because we don't see things the same way, there's nothing in there to draw on. There, I have not deposited anything that helps. I've not deposited anything that, 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 will, that will encourage growth, will encourage openness. But if I have during the course of the week going through and, 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 and just showing appreciation in some capacity, something simple like, hey, babe, dinner was awesome. Okay, it was just sloppy joes and tater tots. I don't care. It was good, and it filled me up. Thank you so much. You know what I mean? We try and make it a lot more difficult than it is. I mean, I think, I think we did the show appreciation day in and day out. You know, thanks for, you know, taking out the trash. and I mean, just, just simple things that we kind of look over all the time. And, and if we would just make those deposit, things would happen. Another thing I want to talk about is conflict. We have to learn to deal with conflict correctly. Conflict uh, is a part of life, and we can't get away from it. And uh, I was a few years ago. I was doing a, a a youth pastor here locally. I was very good friends with. Was getting married. I was asked. I want to do premarital counseling with them, but to join in in the ceremony that their pastor would be performing. And and during the course of this ceremony, I, w- I was standing there with their pastor and going through the things. And um, he made a statement. He referred to Ephesians four twenty six and twenty seven, and that's in Ephesians chapter four. Right before Paul is getting ready to bounce into this chapter about love and marriage and that kind of thing, he makes this statement, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And he made these words. He said these words. My interpretation of that in a marriage context is this. Kiss your spouse goodnight every night. Doesn't matter what kind of conflict happens during the week. Doesn't matter what happens during that day. Doesn't matter what goes on during that thing. You should set a tone of affection and acceptance and love and adoration every day. You should be putting yourself in Even if things aren't completely resolved, even if things aren't completely hashed out, you should begin to, by the time that that day is ending, you should be able to get together and say, you know what, I love you. I know we're having a hard time right now, but I love you. And, and, and give a good, real quick smooch and be on with it. 
I think that, that that's appropriate. And even at times in Rachel and I's relationship, when, I've, when we've had altercation stuff, I try and make sure, even if we're not completely got it resolved and, and don't look like it's going to get fixed tonight, I try and make sure that before we go to bed, I say, babe, listen, I, I love you. I'm sorry that I made you mad or whatever, but I love you. And I'm here, and we're going to work this thing out. And we try and get together at least on that level, understanding that. Also, no, no fighting dirty or ugly. Rachel and I have been in situations where, man, we've heard, we have heard couples say things to each other in public that I think, holy smoke, how do they think that can be healthy? And sometimes it's jesting, and sometimes it's not. And when it's not, dude, it's really nasty. Let me say something. Quit fighting ugly and quit fighting dirty with one another. Quit saying things that you know you regret, that you know are going to get in trouble. Because you know what? Words, what Jim just described a minute ago is words bring life. Words bring hope. Words bring strength. And you need that more than anything else in your marriage. And you need to be committed to forgiveness. I'm going to say things every, occasionally that make Rachel uptight, make her angry, make her mad. But she's going to be willing to forgive me. And like vice versa, she'll do the same thing to me every now and then. I've got to be willing, to, even though she said some things and we've had some conflict, i got to be at the place where I say, you know what, I'm forgiving you. We're on with life. Get on with it. There's a passage of scripture in James 1, 19 that's very practical. It covers all of our relationships, really. It says this, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and be slow to get angry. Most of the time, we have those things backwards. We're quick to speak, we're quick to get angry, and we're slow to listen. In our marriage, we've got to be slow to, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, or we're going no place really fast. Some of you guys are like uh, uh, Old West shooters, so you're going to pull the gun out quickest. What you need to do, uh, the, the old adage is God gave you two ears and one mouth. Get the message. Huh? I, 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 was, I, I was walking with a couple through some things the last couple weeks. And they told me, one of, the, one of the spouses told me on the phone the other day, they said, when we went through premarital counseling, one of the best things I heard from, from my former pastor is this, only talk to, your, to, to people about your spouse who love them as much as you do. And they had called me because they knew that was a circumstance and a situation. Here's why you do that. Because you don't need somebody jumping on to beat up your spouse bandwagon. It's true. You need somebody who's going to work with you guys and pray for you guys according to the heart of God and not because their friend has been hurt and not because they're, yeah, and then just jump on there. I mean, I thought that was a good piece of counsel. Here's something else. Where this thing, forgiveness is concerned, Bishop, Bishop Desmond Tutu is quoted as saying, remember, he, he, was, he was one of the, the, the predominant guys involved in the, in, the, in the squash apartheid thing in South Africa. His words are this, listen to this, without forgiveness, there is no future. Without forgiveness, there is no future for your family, for our country, for nothing. Without that, there is no future. And so you've got to be, you've got to live a place of forgiveness. So that's where we want to go. We are, are we doing this next question? We are. Here's a question we have. You want me to read it or you want to? When trust has been broken by, the spouse, by a spouse by adultery and the decision is mutual to work out the relationship, how do you get the want? Get the spouse to be committed, that committed the adultery, to one, be remorseful and apologetic. I'll stop there. You can't. You can't. I can't make my kids, um, if they're fighting or arguing, I can make them say they're sorry to each other. But this is how it sounds. I'm sorry, Christiana. 
you know, I can't make her have a heartfelt, I'm sorry. I can, I can encourage her, but I cannot make her. You cannot make your spouse. Um, that has to be a, a, a heart work. That has to be something that they, they decide that they want to do. Um, the next question was, um, how can we connect again on an emotional level? Um, again, you've got to realize that there really can't be... Um, a, a connection on an emotional level unless there's true repentance. So if there's true repentance, um, you need to probably start the relationship over again. Begin to go go back and start as if it were, were fresh and new and, and begin to date each other again. Begin to um, do the things that caused you guys to fall in love to begin with um, again. The, the third issue is make how can make you feel feel secure again and want to trust them. Um, security and trust are only gained over time and consistency of lifestyle. So the, the spouse that um, has committed the adultery has to show that they are committed to the relationship time, it, even whenever the spouse the spouse that was committed against is having a hard time with it. You just need to be consistent in, in the fact that you are, you are being faithful. And over time, they'll begin to see that there's been a lifestyle change. You know, again, I think that the part of that has to do with consistency of lifestyle, which means this. We're not all going to get it right. But when we don't get it right, we've got we to gotta man up and say, you know what, I did not get that right. And that goes back to that openness and honesty thing we talked about in communication. You got to go back to a place where you're like, you know what, dude, I screwed that up. I know you're really struggling in that area, and I really messed up again. And I, I just want to be honest and open about that. Wow, and that'll that'll, that'll breed some that, that that's part of that consistency thing. And not always getting it right, but being a, being able to admit that you're not getting it right. And you know, we had several questions about this trust thing and infidelity. My, look at this question: My spouse is not the person I seek in crisis. There is no emotional connection to me due to infidelity and numerous lies. No, Rachel referred to a minute ago, Matthew 19, Jesus, the, on, the only thing Jesus allows, the word that allows for divorce, we think it's infidelity. But if you read it there, that's not what it says. Jesus says God offered a certificate of divorce because of the hardness of your hearts. See, God's plan, what, is, is that marriage replicates the, the, the relationship between him and his church, right? What reigns in his, between him and his church? Forgiveness, grace, and mercy. Part of us are constantly having troubles with fidelity, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, when it comes, we are the church. Do we have problems being always faithful to God? Does he always meet us where we are? Absolutely. His intention is for that to be true in a marriage. Not always will it be. And the problem is, we, we, we develop a hard heart. After we've been over a road so many times, we become callous, don't, don't we? And so God says, listen, the issue is not the, the fidelity or the, the lack thereof. It's the, the condition of each person's heart. And a husband or a wife who's committed uh, an infidelity can become hard of heart. The person that's been committed to, against, can be, develop hardness of heart. And so God wants us to, to continue to, 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 to deal with that. The question here is, how do I trust? Why should I trust? Is it too late? What can I do to change this? Those are very awesome questions. How? How do I trust? Well, you have to trust. The first place trust starts is the commitment to trust. And to be honest that you're not there. I want to be there, and I want to grow there, but I'm not there, and I'm committed to getting there, but I need your help to help me get there. How about this? 
Why should I trust? Again, because you're, com- you, you, you're, you're committed to the relationship. You want the relationship to, to, to be restored and grown, hopefully. You're asking these questions because you want that, I presume. I, can't, I, I can only infer things because they're anonymous, they're anonymous questions, so I don't know. And the question is, is it too late? Listen, it's never too late. So long as both of the individuals in the, the, the relationship, well, actually, there's three of you involved in the relationship. One of them is always willing to work it out. His name is God. He's faithful and true. He's there every day, every morning. But with the other two parties involved in the relationship are willing to, it's never too late. I had that question posed me on the phone a week and a half ago. Is it too late? I said, no, it's not too late. But both of you have to be committed to it. It can't be one of you 75%, one of you 100%. If you're only partially committed, it's not going to work. If either of you, and what I hear here is, 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 is a, a sort of a, a, a you, you, there's been a lack of commitment kind of maybe going both ways. One of them justify, one of them probably not. The question is, my spouse is not the person I seek in crisis. Your goal should be that they are. That should be your goal. You should be, be right now working towards making that happen. It's very difficult. I get that. What can I do? What can I do to change it? Which is a great question because it removes, the, it, it, it puts the pressure back on you as an individual. You can't do anything. Rachel said you can't do anything to bring remorse and repentance over on your spouse. But you can do some things. And we would all be agreed that we are all not, not what we should be. I'm not always 100% of the time the spouse Rachel needs. There's room for improvement in me. There's room for improvement for me to grow. There's room for, for, for me to, to figure out what I'm doing wrong and how I can get it right. Am I saying that's the cause of fidelity? Absolutely not. That does not justify. One, one spouse not living up there in the bargain is never a justification for another spouse to be unfaithful. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. But I am trying to tell, teach you how to help you grow the relationship in spite of it. And all of us need work in that capacity. Does it make sense? Obviously pray. God is the only person who can change the heart. And bring about the things that need to happen. You've got to commit yourself to praying. You've got to commit yourself to finding people around you who will pray. Not just uh, for you as a spouse and against your husband or your wife. But for your relationship. And for your wellness. And for your growth. You need to get that thing and, and begin to commit yourself to that. Um, I think another thing um, that would help breed trust in, um, would be um, for the, the spouse that committed the adultery to seek out... Um, accountability, to look for somebody that they can talk to about a situation. And that only helps cause the the spouse that was the the act was committed against to realize that they're they're really willing to work on this. They're trying to find somebody that's going to hold them accountable, that they can go talk to whenever they're having issues. That I think that's huge. I think too, I said this in the first service and 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 people would think I'm, you know, what the Breach confidentiality or whatever. Listen, I think I think you should be willing to allow your spouse too. If you've you've been that person who's been in that breach of of trust and accountability, when you find a person who's accountable, you should say to your husband or your wife and go, you know what? If you need to call them sometime and just check up and find out how they think I'm doing, feel free. And uh, here's what I would do: if you're the person who's asking the questions, I wouldn't go into all the deep, dark details that this that, that your that your husband or wife is going to your accountability partner about. I would just ask him, give me your honest assessment of how John's doing. Give me your honest assessment about how Susie's doing, because I just want to know. I don't want all the details. I don't know everything they're telling you. I, I know you need to need to grow in that, that, that confidentiality, but I, I need to know how you think things are going. And you shouldn't be uptight when your your spouse is seeking that out, because they need that to grow in trust and permanence and fidelity, so their marriage will grow. That makes sense. Um, the next one. A next, another. Th- this 
um, we had a question, so this um, brought up dating and recreation time. Um, you need to find things that you guys enjoy together, um, that you can do together, that you have fun together. And um, I, I know people are like, well, we don't, what do we do? We don't, what, how can we have fun together? Well, think back to what, what you guys used to do at the beginning of the relationship. I told Aaron, I said, most relationships obviously start off with a, oh, she's nice looking, or he, oh, he and he handsome. And then from there it grows. And then what caused your relationship to, to begin to grow to begin, I mean, at the beginning of your relationship, go back to those things and begin to, to do things or seek out new things that you, you can, you can do together and just have fun together. Um, I know I, I, um, told first service, I said, this is just, this is, sounds crazy. And some of you guys will think, ah, you guys do that for fun. You guys are nuts. But, um, Aaron's come home at night and he's been gone all day. And, um, it's time for me to go to the grocery. We have four kids. I, you know, everybody needs fed. And instead of him sitting on the couch watching the kids or whatever, a lot of times we'll just say, hey, since you're going, I'm going too. And we pack up all the kids and we go to the grocery together. That doesn't seem like fun, but it, we, we have fun because we're just spending time together. That's, that's what recreation and dating is all about, just spending time together and having fun together. If you're going out with your buddies more than you're going out with your wife, you're in trouble. Or you're going out with your girlfriends more than you're going out with your husband, you're in trouble. Just find things that you guys get, get, you know, do, can do to get along together. And, and, and that plays right into that, that, that thing she just said. I can remember Rachel and I being newlyweds. You remember that time? I see smiles going across the, the, when we were newlyweds, and a lot of times our schedules would be like exactly opposite. Like I'd go to work early in the morning, Rachel would work part of the afternoon and work late into the evening, and then we'd get home and still need to take care of, you know, groceries and things like that. And so I can remember us, we used to live up, up at Western View Apartments, those townhouses up, you guys, you, know, you guys know where those are at? And so we'd, go, we'd come home, and our, the place we'd go would, would be that big bear that was down there in Central Center. And it was open all night. So you know what? Like 11 o'clock at night, we'd find ourselves shopping through the highways together. You know, and so in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus writes a letter to his church and said, man, you're doing all this great stuff. You're working and you're getting some things accomplished. But I got one thing against you. You've lost your first love. And his remedy for that is go back and do the first things over again. Now, once again, if that's to replicate and, and be an example of our marriage, our marriage will be an example of Jesus and his church, then the same thing applies there. Go back and do the things that used to work. We found out that we, 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 when we go to the grocery store with four kids, you know what we do? We make a game out of it. We take the stinking, we, we, we take the, the grocery list, rip it down the middle. We split up into teams. First player, first team back here to this point wins. And the kids think it's the most awesome thing in the world, man. They get excited. Oh, give me, what am I supposed to get? That? What do you want me to get? Sure, man, we're just flying all around the store, you know, and just having a blast and just do, doing the grocery shopping. I know it sounds crazy, but that's what we just figured that works for us. I don't know. It just happens. So uh, figure out. We, we had this question posed to us. Let me, let me go here. You suggest recreation, of, suggest recreation of, of doing something together that may be one spouse is interested in doing. Giving of yourself and blessing that spouse. What if the spouse does an activity with you like that but only makes you totally miserable? So miserable that you have a horrible time and you would have rather gone without the spouse. How can this situation grow you closer? Great question. Here's the thing. It's this give-give thing again. It's this selfless thing. Husband, wife, if you tell your husband or wife, your spouse, that you'll go somewhere with them because they like doing it, do not start out by going, dude, this really stinks. 
I hate this. Don't get in the car and go, and slam the door. I can't believe I have to go here tonight and go do that. And the whole way you're mumbling and complaining all the way to wherever you're going and get there and you got that scowl on your face. Listen, you, this should excite you because you know it excites them. It should bring a smile on your face that you have the opportunity to bless them and give them some enjoyment and give them something they, they have a good time at. And it should, it should bless you that you just get to be together and you get to watch the enthusiasm and the joy that comes across their face, even if you despise it. Even if I just, I just had a, somebody tell me last Sunday, saying, right now, I told you guys this, I think, took his wife to the opera last week. I said, did you like it? Not, no, it wasn't, it was ballet. I said, I kind of appreciate the athleticism it takes to do that, but I said, I really enjoyed myself. She said, she asked me when it was over, he said, did you get the storyline? He's like, not really. But he said, but she had a blast. And his face was beaming, and he was like, wow, it was just so cool to see her enjoy herself and have a good time. That's what it's got to be about. So if you're going to take our advice, take our advice all the way. Don't go and make your spouse miserable. Does that make sense? Is that a good practical thing to say? We're going to skip past some things, and we want to get to some really good questions. We're going to pass the fight. We've talked about that over and over again. Um, we'll skip that one. Let's skip, yeah, we'll skip that one, too. Those are, all, those are all things that we did discuss in first service. If they get it up, then you can um, we, listen to it online. But we wanted to get some, to some things at the end of the... This next one's really important. Time management. Me. <laughs> oh, um, that this is just very important. I mean, if you look at your schedule and there's no time for for you and your spouse, you need to make time because you're going to make time for the things that are important to you. So if there's something that you need to take off the schedule so that you guys can do things together, just make sure that you're being very protective of your time together. You know, something something Pastor and Jeanette taught Rachel and I early on. One of, the th one, one of the things that gets, gets families all scattered all over the place is all the extracurricular activities. You know what Pastor Jeanette made a policy of? One extracurricular activity a year for their kids. Why did they do that? Because they wanted their kids not to participate in other sports and things? No, because they knew those things, even though they're fun and they're exciting and they're enjoyable, they would take away from the time the family get to spend together. And we've tried to abide by that, haven't we? And it works for us. And our kids have tried softball, and they've tried soccer, and they're musician stuff and different things like that. I think it's just a matter of prioritizing. Listen, most of us, most of our kids are not going to be Michael Jordan. And if you're trying to live out your dreams because your kids, you think your kids might get to, maybe you should worry about being a, being a dad instead of a coach or something. You understand what I mean? Not that those things are bad. Those things are not bad. I, I enjoy it whenever my kids get to play it. But the fact that families running 16, you know, they got to be in four different places because every kid's doing this and that and everything. That benefits nobody except where's everybody out and keeps everybody from being together at some point in time. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear and understand my heart there? You got to prioritize and make some adjustments and some sacrifice to keep the family a family unit. Does that make sense? I just thought I'd throw that out there. Are we going to this next one? We're going to skip this next. There's a great, there's a great comment. This, this second side here, get ready to come up. I have noticed when me and my wife stay connected sexually, spiritually, and relationally that my children are happier. They love it when we show love. 
Boy, that's powerful. Not a, com- not a question, just a comment. It's important for you guys. That's where time management comes in. It's important for you guys to work on your relationship together. There was a statement on the, on the slide a minute ago that says you can't put your kids above your, above your, above your spouse. You can't. It's not healthy for them. It's not healthy for your family. It's not healthy for your marriage. It's not, you know, one day these kids are going to pack up and leave. Do you know that? There's this thing called op- empty nest syndrome. They're leaving one day. There's a spike in divorce rate. To, but if you can survive the first two years, most time you'll make it until about 18 to 20, like 22 years. Once you get about 18 to 22, divorce rate spikes back up again. You know what, what, the, what the correlation of time is? Kids graduate. They go off to school. They go off to college, they get married, and all of a sudden life has changed, and you built your entire life not around the spouse and his soulmate that God gave you to spend the rest of your life with. You built it around kids who suddenly leave the nest, and there's nothing of common ground to stand on anymore because the common link is gone. And your kids benefit because you are connected, and there's security when they know you and your wife are together on the same page. I'm stuck there. I'm going to keep going, but you understand where I'm coming from there. That's a very important concept, and, and that thing is huge. We talked about last week, it, intimacy grows at certain levels and affects other parts of your life, other areas. And if you want, it to be, you want your grandchildren to be blessed, you want your children to be blessed, you want create an atmosphere where that can happen, connectedness can keep happening, okay? Can we answer those two? Um, that's a good question. Can I answer that one question just real quick? Let me answer this real quick. Is there, any, is there any sexual act inside of marriage relationship that is forbidden by Scripture? Well, that's a tough question. How about awkward? Woo! I got that question. I went, man, I don't know, but I should probably answer that because I'm sure there's some, some questions there. I deferred to Aaron on that question. Let me say this. It goes back to two concepts we've discussed the last two, a concept we discussed last week. The concept of love versus lust. You give of yourself to gratify another. You don't take from someone to gratify yourself. And wherever that happens in marriage, that's an abuse and a usage that's ungodly to your spouse. Here's where intimacy comes in on another level. In order to grow sexually, you need to have a conversation about, hey, you know, where are you at with that? And, where you? and once you've had a conversation about those kinds of things, you need to stop put, applying pressure. Once you find out where things are. You know, there, there are obviously certain things the scripture talks about. You guys know all of God's laws are for health and for security and for goodness and benefit, right? There are certain, let's just use common sense. There are certain parts of the body that aren't to be used in certain ways because it creates opportunities for disease and issues and problems. And so if we're going to do that, we got, that's outside the bounds. Can I, do I have to get any, any more graphic than that? Huh? Okay. I just want to make sure we're hitting the numbers right where we need to hit them. Okay? Um, let's go to the next one. Rachel wants to hit this, this next question. Is this? Okay. Is that the one you wanted to get to? This one you told me you pointed to. So that's the one you get. That's right, your name beside of it, so it's yours. I have no desire to be intimate with my spouse. Trust has been broken over and over again. I no longer feel secure. I no longer trust, but I still love my spouse. I feel numb both emotionally and physically. Any advice? Um, I'm lost. Um, it, it, they, I think their heart is right because they still have chosen to love their spouse. They still have chosen to, to work things out. Um, 
being numb emotionally and physically, a lot of, a lot of times um, you, you just have to start with small things where it comes to, comes to things like this. Um, you're not, well, you, I think you need to start out with things like hand holding, you know, arms around each other, things like that. And I think it's okay to be, be uh, um, open with your spouse. Listen, I'm holding your hand. I may not really feel like it right now, but I'm doing this because I'm trying to work this, this situation out. Uh, you know, I'm going to give you a kiss goodnight. I don't know that I necessarily really want to do that, but I'm, I'm trying to put my best foot forward to fix this relationship. I'd say this. You're going to meet each other there. And there, there are days your spouse don't want that. And you've got to appreciate that. But they are numb. But they, are, but they do hurt. You've got to appreciate the fact that there's some things that have happened that have made them be there. And you've got to take responsibility for that. And not, not, again, apply pressure and demand and different things like that. You just can't go there. And, and, and you know, uh, I appreciate the fact, I like this line, I no longer trust, but I still love my spouse. And that's an incredible statement. Because you know what, that, that takes it, we, we often attach marriage and things to completely a romantic side of things. It's completely emotionally based and stuff. This takes it to the God kind of love. God kind of love is not, is not contingent upon feeling, upon emotion. It's, con it's contingent upon commitment and saying, you know, I'm here. I love you in spite of yourself. I love them. I just am very, I mean, I'm just hurting and I'm numb and I don't know what to do. And, and it, it, that, that's a powerful statement. And if you stay right there, I believe the Holy Spirit of God will meet you where you are and he'll help you guys work through that stuff. I believe that with all my heart. That's the God kind of love. That's the kind of love God has for us. It's not emotionally based. I'm glad. If, if, every time he got angry, he just went like, okay, I'm done listening to those right now. I'm done with that. Get him out of my face. Okay, I'm through. Aren't you glad? Let's, let's move on. Um, listen to this question. I asked my spouse to do some marriage enrichment activities. They showed some initial interest, but there was no follow-through or commitment. I noticed a lot of the danger signals in our marriage. What should I do? Wow. A couple of things I'd say. Again, you've got to find a, a spouse that's willing. And you've got to pray. Pray, 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 pray that God will make your spouse willing. Bible, I heard a, a Bible college instructor that said, God won't make you do what you don't want to do. He's a gentleman. He's like that. But he also would say like this, but he will work on your want to's. You need to pray your, your, your spouse will want to get involved in that. I would say this, you need to be worried about seeking out counseling. Um, you're going to, if you see, it says a lot of the danger signals, this, this question says, that's a... That should say, you know, one or two, you say, you know what, we, we just need to hit these couple things and roll with it. If you see like three, four, five, six of those things we gave you last week, dude, it's time to seek some outside involvement. You can't just hide behind the facade that everything is okay. And, and it, it, here's something else. If they refuse to do anything where marriage is concerned, what's stopping you? What's stopping you from growing yourself as a spouse? Why can't you go ahead and go to Todd and Sveta's home group tomorrow night and partake in the love and respect? Maybe you'd learn to do some things better that would kind of propagate the process a little further. Here's one thing you can't do. If you go do that, like if you sign up for love and respect conference here in a couple weeks, one thing you can't do is come home and then tell your spouse everything they're doing wrong. You can't nag. You can't, you can't do that. You've got to let the change that's going on inside of you speak for itself. First Peter 3 talks about the unsaved spouse 
and, and how, you, how you do that. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, and stuff like that. No, that's right. No, not that. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. In the same way, you wives accept the authority of your husband. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lies will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lies. And I was talking about an unsaved spouse. Some of you are getting with a, with a saved spouse. You're still having problems. Imagine for just a minute, you let the power of the Holy Spirit be at work in your marriage and your, and your family. And you just let it speak for itself. And you don't have to push, prod, demand, do anything and let God do it. Man, that could... Just imagine where that could go. And I'm not saying that works every stinking time, but it's, a, it's in the scripture. And you should allow God to do what, it, do what he wants to do. Let me go on the next one. Make all the prayer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, why does a man consider being in the same house at the same time the same as intimate time? Any wives feeling the anointing on that question right there? Here's something, you, here's something I believe. I, I tell couples in premarital counseling all the time. You have to be a studier of one another. This is supposed to be a lifelong adventure. There, there, there are things about her I'm learning every day. There are things that, 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 that I'm, I'm finding out and, and, and deciphering about what makes her tick and what she really likes. Same thing she's doing with me. And, and there's, there's a great book I'd encourage you guys to go take a look at. It's called The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. All of us speak and receive love in five predominant ways, okay? And like what, what, what her love language might be, might be different than my love language. It could be, whoever answered that, asked that question, that your husband's love language is one of the top five, which is quality time. And he thinks just being together is one of the most awesome things on the planet. It could be that. I don't know. I don't know who, who the husband is, so I can't answer that question. That may be his love language, just being near each other and, and close to each other and just being in the same. I just had, I just had somebody tell me after the first service that, that yesterday he and his wife spent time together. You know what they were doing? Clearing the ice dams out of their gutter and they had a great time. Standing right there. They just told me that not two hours ago. That's being together. Three go like, dude, that's not going to, you know, whatever. I want you guys to consider doing something here and, and come to love and respect because Dr. Eggers is going to teach you how to communicate better than I could ever do it. And he talked about how we miss signals and how we don't get what our, what our spouse is saying because we receive it differently than what they're conveying. And we're saying the right things a lot of times and we're giving the right actions. It's just missing in the, in the air somewhere. And so I'd really encourage you along the lines. Uh, you know, I, I'd also be aware, husbands, in this scenario, you need to be aware of your, love, your wife's love language. You need to be aware of what, what makes her tick. And if, if quality time ain't cutting it for her, you've got to find a way to meet her there. You hear what I'm saying? There, there, there are words of affirmation that are, that are love languages. There are gifts. Giving, giving and receiving gifts is a love language. Um, acts of service. I'm trying to think of them off the top of my head. Shadra could probably help me because she tested me and Rachel on this. Huh? Words of affirmation. Physical touch and affection. He forgot his own love yeah, language. Yeah, that was my own love language, actually. Um, we need to find out what... what how, See, I am so wrapped up with what she needs, I forgot about myself. How cool is that? Um, no, he forgot mine um, too. Words of affirmation. <laughs> um, need to be willing to meet each other there. Um, again, marriage has got to be completely selfless going both ways. Maybe you should ask your husband, is this really, do you really dig this? I mean, just being together, is that all it really takes for you? And then you go, well, yeah, I just kind of like just being here close. That's great. Okay, just f figure that out. Here's another question for you. 
No, I want you to read this sentence yeah. right here that you put on here real quick. Oh, it could be that's his love language. It could, it's completely possible. He's just a slug and lazy. And he, he becomes aware of what's going on. But that's not sufficient. You know what? Rachel and I chose this love seat because we wanted you guys to see that we're together. And we just wanted to like, be behind a pulpit. So I would have, I would have chosen. If we could have, I told Rachel, next time we do this, I'd love to find some way to do it like from our living room. And she said, that'd be great because she had to look at all the different faces. She's not much on public speaking. But here's the thing. Um, Archie Bunker and Edith aren't cutting it, folks. Huh? That's just not getting it. That is not a marriage. Archie's funny, and so is Edith. She reminds me of my grandmother, actually. But that's not cutting it. And that little table in between them and his big chair and him demanding things of her and just sitting around, and, that's not cutting it, man. That's not it. And so we need to be aware of what's going on. And so I said that. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Next question. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Go back. Yeah. What can a woman do to get affection from her husband without begging? Because it just hurts when you have to beg. Um, I'm not so sure how to get him to notice what you want, but um, I know that from, from experience that sometimes <laughs> you do have to tell them what you want. And uh, I love notes that he used to leave when we were dating. I love little roses left on my windshield when we were dating. And every now and then I will bring those things up and say, hey, remember when? And um, then when he does that, I don't think it's bad to, to tell them what you want. Um, but then whenever you tell them what he, they want and then he does it, sometimes I've been like, oh, you just did that because I, I asked you to do it, right? I know that you wouldn't have thought of that on your own because I had to tell you. But, but I find that the more appreciative I am when he does those things, instead of saying, you're just doing that because I told you to, Sometimes he does need a little bit of help, and when I help him and he does it, I become appreciative, and that reminds him to do it more often. Sometimes she needs a little bit of help, too. I do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, that, was a, that was a question. That, that, but just be, just be thankful that he did listen to what you ask for and that he's trying to please you instead of being nagging and saying, oh, why did, you're just doing that because. So. That was like. Like one of the rules we crossed off, it said, ask for what you want. Let us be clear on this one. Subtle hints do not work. Strong hints do not work. Obvious hints do not work. Just say it. Okay. Um, we're we're going to just dive a little bit further. Spiritual issues. Can I say something? These things are more than just about being at church together. Although we've encouraged you, that's a good start. That's a good place to begin some discourse. Worshiping together was one of the, one of the, the, the five practical things I gave you like in week number one. Uh, worshiping together. But listen, again, just like the, 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 the target is to grow in intimacy where your, your, your spouse is the person you run to in crisis and stuff. Ultimately, your, your spouse needs to be the person that you are, are growing together with spiritually. And that involves a whole lot more than just two hours at church on Sunday morning or at home group on Sunday night. It involves a whole lot more than that. It involves discussion, prayer, and, and, and study, and whatever capacity. But there just needs to be some capacity. Listen, you need to find your, your mix. 
Some couples are very diligent and they're, you know, at 5.30, they got coffee sitting on the table and the Bible's there and the devotions and we're ready to go before we start today. And some couples are more like, you know, hey, we'll catch up with that. I'll call you during lunchtime. Tell me what, I'll read my devotion. You can do yours. Blah, blah. Some, some of you are, are, are more like before you go to bed at night. That's when you do that. You, you, you read your devotions together. You pray together. Find whatever works for you. Find what, what, what fits your lifestyle. Find what fits your makeup. You know, my, my wife... God bless her. The morning thing's not happening for us. I'm just saying. I used to be very much be a morning person, man. Get up and get rolling and, you know, just start the day. I mean, when I was in high school, I'd get up and, like, start at the crack of dawn. I would, I would, I would push off my homework during the course of the day. And I'd get, up, I'd get up early the next morning and get it done just so I'd have, you know, all the evening to play around and do what I wanted to. And I'd get up and I'd just start. And I found out when I, Rachel and I got married... Mornings are not good. <laughs> and we've discovered that just trying even to, to do anything of any kind of significance at the crack of dawn just ain't happening. It just isn't. Conversation, the, the conversations barely happen. Devotions are definitely not happening in our house at, at that time of the morning. But we found that when we're going to have that time of connectedness, usually it's at night after the kids, everybody have gone to bed. Am I right about that? I've told you guys that story, how like there's a button in my pillow that's wired to my wife's mouth. Boom, and then the, the, the lights go on, the mouth starts working, and boy, that's where, we, that's where it happens for us. You understand what I mean? And so you need to find that mix for you guys. Most, here's the thing. You need to find a place. Um, oh, I should let you do that, didn't I? Did I, did I mess up? I just saw your name underneath there. We've got to make all of our life decisions based on biblical principles. Every decision we make about schooling our kids, about discipline, about what job we're going to take, where we're going to move to, all of those we have to put it around what does God think about it, what does he say about it, where does he want us to go, what is his trajectory and his position for us to get to, what does he want from us? This was a question posed to us that we didn't put on a slide, but it said, why does a man think that if he makes his children go to church that he has fulfilled his spiritual responsibility to them? Mm. That's part of his responsibility. That's not the whole thing. I can't answer that question again because I don't know what he's thinking, but it's not the fulfillment of his responsibility. Listen, we find elements. Rachel and I seek out things during the course of everyday life to pointedly make a statement to our kids about spiritual and scriptural issues. We try and find every moment of every day there's something going on, and then we can point our kids and say, you know what? Here's what the Bible says about that. Do you know why we think that? Do you know why I told you how to do that? And, and, and just the other day, we had an older kids with our boys. One's going to be two next month. One's going to be four. Gee whiz. In June. And, um, wow, it's crazy. And they were having an altercation, and I just grabbed them. I said, boys, I want to tell you something. And, and they're not old enough to get a Bible from them and make, make them read it. They don't do that. that what is that? I don't know. Oh, look, a truck, you know, and um, that wouldn't work. But I said, you know, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus wants us to love each other like we love ourselves and to treat others the way we want to be treated. So if you want your brother to share with you, then you need to share with him. And we had this conversation. And like the next day, Rachel was like, remember what your dad said? And the boy's like, oh, yeah. Kids like, oh, got to share. Him, here, Eric. And he like hands him this deal right there in the middle. And so we try to find opportunities to just convey spiritual truth wherever we can, wherever we can, whatever we can. It's the most amazing thing. Our little boy, Caleb, he wants to pray. He, he will fight you to get to pray. It's amazing. 
I want to pray. And he'll get mad because you won't let him pray. And you're like, okay, brother, how about it? Well, we set an atmosphere so he can, he can grow into that. You see what I mean? Everyday life is more than just going to church. You've got to live it out every day. You have any, anything? Create opportunities in your house for that kind of growth. Here's a good question. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't. Click I the, think click the click. going back to the um, spiritual responsibility. I think sometimes showing them in practical ways how they can act, um, you know, fulfill um, or follow scripture is sometimes a little bit easier for them to understand than to sit down with them and do a Bible study. I'm not discouraging sitting down and doing Bible study and praying with them, but if you can show them how to apply scripture to their everyday life, they're going to get it. They're going. They're just going to get it. <laughs> Should I still be sexual with my husband even though we don't get our spiritual growth as a couple? Um, I guess I was elected to answer this question. Um, <laughs> Aaron said you it would be good from a... that question, I'm in hot water, right? <laughs> Actually, when we, when we read it, Rachel responded right quickly. I'm like, well, that one's yours. <laughs> I think absolutely you should still be um, sexual with your husband. And um, I I feel like the reason why I I answered that question was so fast, absolutely, was because if you are... um, if you're struggling sexually, but not, or if I would say, if you were struggling um, spiritually, but you were doing well in the sexual aspect of your relationship, you wouldn't stop the sexual aspect to work on the spiritual aspect. You would continue the sexual aspect and work on spiritual. So if you already have something down, keep keep at it, but then also work on the other part of it. You wouldn't stop communicating just because your husband hadn't gotten good at getting gifts yet or something. You know what I mean? I, you wouldn't stop. The winner, you got it going on in. You wouldn't go, okay, I, we're not, you know. Does that make sense to you? But I, but I think it, that also goes back to openness and um, honesty. It, if you're struggling to, to fulfill the sexual part of your relationship because the spirit, spiritual side isn't growing, you need to tell your spouse, I'm really struggling. I don't want to stop in one area or the other, but I'm struggling here because we aren't doing well here. It, it goes back to communication. We had another question. It was really similar, but from the, I think from the opposite direction, from the opposite direction. How do I as a husband be the spiritual leader that I know I should be when it seems that there's only negativity in other aspects of my marriage? My wife has shut off, quotation marks, her love to me because we do not pray together. Time got away from us, and it's been a, the, it hasn't been the priority it should be. But how can I change that when so much time has went away and it doesn't feel like she, lo- she loves me for me? Well, that's a tough question. That's a tough question. Again, the scriptures are, 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 are clear. We've talked about this, his needs, her needs. But the scriptures always talk about that. If you want to overt temptation... Scripture tells you how to do that. I referred to it last week, 1 Corinthians 7, 3. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. I think it's funny God hits the, 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 the husband in the mouth first. Isn't that funny? Because usually in all, in all of our conversations, when it revolves around this, it's about the wife, you know, doing her duty or whatever. You know what I mean? And God just, bam, he just hits it right. And then he goes like this. And the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual, fulfill her wife's her, and the wife should fill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Now, here's what it says, verse 5. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations, lest you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time, so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. It's going to be a mutual thing here. I've got to, got to agree. We've got to talk about it, have a discussion about it. We've got to work through it. Boom, at that point, it's okay. But if you're just doing it to be manipulative, then that's not going to work. Afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Wow. 
Do you hear the, do you hear the, the, the connotation there? You're asking for problems. Worse problems than you already have. God understands how human beings work. And I know it's not fun. I know people don't like it, but that's, just, that, 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 that's, that, that's pretty clear. And I think it's, it, it's that selfless thing versus that selfish thing. Listen, hu- husband, you got to do what you got to do. The question is, do I, how can I still be the spiritual leader if we're having problems? You just have to be. Inspire the negativity. Inspire the, you, can't, you can't stop. This what the, answer the same question Rachel just had. You can't stop doing what you know you should do just because things aren't working out right. Does that make sense? You've got to keep going the right direction. Why? If you just can't shut things off and expect things to get better because it's not going to happen. It just isn't. Um, had a cool, thank you. She's keeping me sharp. We, 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 I think I get the ball rolling sometimes. Life is all about momentum. And, and when you find negative momentum growing and, and going and going and going, you've got to find some way to push against it. And begin to push it back the other way. The Bible says a three-strand cord is not easily broken. You, your spouse, and above all else, your Father in heaven can get the things going in the right direction. I put this back up on the screen because we had so many questions that dealt around the danger signals. I see danger signals. I see the quest. I saw what you said, and I see those. In the, and, and, and so we wanted to kind of reaffirm them. If there's boredom in your, in, in your house, if there's a hating to go home, there's too many outside interests. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having a hobby. Maybe two tops. But if those things are keeping you from your home and from your wife and from your children and from your husband, and that's too many. Withholding expression, lack of communication, straying thoughts or acts, too much criticism, avoiding intimacy. All those things will, will keep you from, from that. We, These things, even if you're, even if your family right now, you sense things are good. I had a conversation just last week, and I asked, I asked, I asked the person on the phone who called me about what was going on in their family. I said, you know, until today, how did you feel? They were like, I felt like everything was good. I don't know why all of a sudden we find ourselves. I thought it was okay. See, even if you think things are okay, you should probably ask your spouse today, "Are you bored? How am I? Am I not being expressive enough?" I've noticed you've been away a lot. Works up your way. Is everything okay? Um, you know, have I been too critical? You know, why are we not connecting? Why are, does it seem like you're avoiding me at all costs? Why can't we converse and begin to have those kind of conversations? Because don't just assume or presume it's okay. Because it just takes it just takes one decision can turn the tide, good or bad. I want to show you a video real quick. And I want you to just suck it in real quick and just think about your family, about your relationship with your spouse and realize how it affects other things. Thomas, can you show that for us?
It's the second glance that ties your hands As darkness pulls the strings Be careful little feet where you go For it's the little feet behind you That are sure to follow It's a slow fade When you give yourself away It's a slow fade When black and white have turned to gray And thoughts invade Choices are made A price will be paid When you give yourself away People never crumble It's a slow fade It's a slow fade Careful little ears what you hear When flattery leads to compromise The end is always near Be careful little lips what you say Promises lead broken hearts astray. Go on a business trip. Do you have to? Well, 
Maybe they can do without me this time. We just wanted to encourage you in your marriage and um, just take a few minutes today and um, answer some questions you guys had. And I'm sorry if your, your questions didn't get answered. Um, there were some other questions that we did answer first service, so go back and listen to them online. Um, and we would like to just say seek out counseling if you feel like there are places in your, your marriage that aren't quite working. Don't be afraid to say, hey, this is not working for us right now. Um, there are lots of connection group leaders that can be of help. Aaron and I can help. Um, seek out another couple that you, you know that has things not perfect, but things going in the right direction that can be a mentor to you to help you in your marriage. Um, we just, we just want, um, I, like Aaron said, we, we don't have it all together. We're not perfect, but it, we enjoy each other. We love each other. And, um, uh, we just, we want the same for all of you. Um, just let me pray to close. Lord Jesus, God, we thank you, Lord God, that we can um, look in your scripture when we have questions, God. We can look in your scripture to find answers to problems we, we face on a daily basis, Lord. Um, God, I pray for marriages in our congregation, God, that, that are um, lacking, God, that maybe have one or two or multiple danger signals, God. We pray, Lord Jesus, that um, you would be, God, the one that would um, bind them together, Lord Jesus, that they would be a three a three-strand cord, God, that cannot be easily broken, God, that they would hang tight to you, God, that they would hang tight to each other, and, and um, God, commit in their hearts, God, that they, were, they will um, see this thing to the end. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just guide us and um, direct us in Jesus' name. Amen.